Hi, David. You're on with Monica. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Okay, great. Um, I wanted... Yeah, um, I wanted to talk to you about Obamacare. I mean, while I disagree with it in principle, I don't believe that you can mandate certain things for you know, the general population. I cannot, I'm completely, because I cannot deny that it has been beneficial to me. I'm a full-time college student. I'm also working full-time. In addition, I have several pre-existing conditions. And without Obamacare, it would be very difficult for me to be able to continue my education and afford and afford health insurance. What did you do before Obamacare? Well, before Obamacare, I was still on my parents' policy, but, you know, still I'm, I am, um, I'm on the last few years of, you know, college, but with pre-existing conditions, it was still kind of difficult to become, to get insurance for my family because my mother and my father also have pre-existing conditions. However, I wanted to know, like, do you think it's possible that we'd be able to have a free market solution and still be able to cover pre-existing conditions? Uh, yeah, I think for me, uh, the way I, I answer that question is this. What, what if that's really your question, the, what is insurance? Insurance is when a bunch of people with the same risk profile, the same likelihood of an unexpected, uncontrollable event is going to happen. So I had a child with Down syndrome. I was in a low-risk category because I was young. If, if there weren't social services, people always tell me, but without social services, I could never support my, not, not me, but, you know, other moms who have children with Down syndrome. And insurance can address even that. You take a bunch of 25-year-old people, every, you know, a million of them, everybody puts 100 bucks into the pot, and whoever gets Down syndrome kids gets that the entire $100 million, you know, or however many people... They split it. So that's what insurance is for, and that's how it works. If you already have an existing, uh, an existing condition, what you're talking about is medical care that you can't afford. And that is not an insurance. That's not the object of insurance. That's the object of uh, if you're you know, left-leaning, you think that's a government safety net thing. And if you're right-leaning, you think it's a uh, charity, charity thing or family thing. So you, you have to come step back and categorize things properly so that you can address them properly and then uh but but i would say the biggest problem with the high cost and unaffordability of health care is that the government uh that the government has medicare and medicaid enforced insurance and all these rules and um won't let you have simply catastrophic health care they won't let you break out your categories quite that finely that it creates this uh, over demand for health care to uh, people go even when they wouldn't go if they were paying for it themselves. And this has a tremendously inflationary effect on the price of health care. So you, you're in a position where ordinary illnesses, yes, you say pre-existing condition, um, they cost much more. They, they actually then become unaffordable for ordinary people, even though uh, in a in a free market system, the cost of these things would plummet. And then the few people who are left who really have an extremely expensive thing and really cannot afford it, there's so much surplus from the wealth that's created by eliminating the inefficiency, the waste, uh, the redistribution of wealth, all that, 
all of that costs a tremendous amount compared to the few people who would actually need some help. And then, of course, institutions would arise in the community that address that, not by force. So I, I feel like we have the capacity. Human nature is such that these things would be um, addressed and the price would be lower and that we should fade in any case, even if you wanted to address it at the state level, which would be constitutional. There's an absolutely no reason to address it at the federal level. Any state has millions of people in it. That's enough of a pool to handle these if you consider it a community problem any way you want or not at all at the state level. So I think it's just a, a basic background philosophy um, that we differ. But thank you very much for the call. I'm going to Anthony in Marietta. Hey, Anthony, you're on with Monica. Hey, how you doing, Monica? Good. How are you doing, Anthony? I, I think you just, <laughs> I think you kind of just inadvertently answered my question. You, you, uh, I was going to ask you, why is it so hard to, like, if the, if the human spirit yearns to be free, then why is it so hard to teach free market economics to be like, why don't people believe that market forces will drive prices down if they just repeal and don't replace it with anything. But listening to you give that explanation to that gentleman, I realize, and by the way, it seems like the more education you have, the, the, the less likely you are to believe in free market economics. I'm sorry. I don't know why that is. I noticed that. with I, I'm like, I, I have lots of very high degrees, and when I go back, it's much easier for me to talk to people, this random group of people who are listening on the radio who call me, regular people I talk to, then if I go back and see the old investment bankers I work with and everything, they just, they don't accept the, the, the common sense that I deliver, and I think they've gotten it in their heads that the system works for them. I've had people say that the system works for me. I've worked hard dependent on this system. You can't change it because then my whole source of income evaporates because the whole system changes. So they have too much invested in the system as it is. But Anthony, I'll give you okay, I got 30 seconds. Tell me what else you Okay, got. yeah. I think you I think I think you just answered the question. When you try to explain to that guy, it, it just requires too much faith. You know what I mean? Like you can teach a, 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 a you can have a mathematical genius and you can teach a math formula because it's concrete. But to teach to, to have them believe that if a company is stripped of regulations, it, it it wouldn't try to, you know, do something evil to you. It just requires too much faith. But you can't. And here's the thing. Thank you so much, Anthony. The the thing is, in a free market system. And what you what you need is to enforce laws. You can't allow fraud. Like people go back and say John D. Rockefeller was bad. We need antitrust. It's like he was bad because the government helped him rob people and defraud them out of their stuff and and conglo- you know make a, a conglomerate out of all these oil holdings that he tricked people out of. If they had just if he hadn't captured the big power of government and we just uh, stuck to basic laws of fraud and theft, then. You would be protected at that level, and the competition that would arise would drive any bad actors out of business immediately. There would be a Yelp for insurance. I mean, you just, it wouldn't exist anymore. And that's how the free market works. All these government regulations and stuff are actually protections, and they're ways for people to be defrauded. Oh, my gosh, I'm totally past my break. (laughs) Hang on, Mark, you're next. Uh, You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB.